All right, and welcome everyone to this very special episode of the Sports Unite podcast. Last year we started after the baseball season, or before, whenever it started. It was a little bit messy last year, but we are having our baseball extravaganza episode, uh, and we have a very special guest with us here. Uh, Welcome to the podcast, Charles. Thank you very much. Happy to be here. So thank you for joining us. Uh, It's that time of year where the sun starts to feel warm. You feel it on your face. The snow any uh, in here in Canada anyways, uh, starts to melt very, very fast. Uh, and then more snow comes again. Uh, but when the sun is on our face, we, we know that spring is on its way. And the best way to tell is when spring training baseball starts. And that is when we truly have brought spring to us. And that has happened already with spring training on its way. Uh, how excited are you for this spring training this year? Well, actually, I was, I was, I'm very excited for it. And I actually had a chance to watch some spring training earlier this afternoon, uh, watching the Blue Jays beat Detroit 10-6. Uh, pretty, it was a great start by the Blue Jays. Uh, so it really got the blood pumping, seeing uh, a couple of new additions in the lineup, seeing some of the changes in the team, uh, seeing how Detroit looked as well, actually. Just the, the whole general feel you could see the players were a little bit more sharp. They were a little bit more hyped up for this season, uh, which gets the fans like myself uh, and you and everybody else who's a big fan of sports and baseball in particular really gets our blood pumping uh, when they're putting their effort in, even in spring training. So, uh, I mean, before we touch on last season, and all of that, let's just get this out of the way. Uh, are the Houston Astros the worst team ever? Oh, I'm really glad you're bringing this one up early on. Uh, no, you know what? They, they really aren't. And I'm not going to go out, there, out of my way and say, you know, to, to defend them. I'm not, I'm not going to excuse what they did because it is wrong. You don't want to cheat. You shouldn't, you shouldn't obtain a championship by cheating. But they're not the only franchise in professional sports to pull that stunt. I mean, look at New England Patriots. Sorry, Patriots fans. Had to go there. Uh, you, you look at sports. I mean, the object is to win. And you have to gain an advantage over your opponent. So, yes, yeah, ceiling signs, trying to locate pitches. They're wrong, but they're not, they weren't, they're not the worst team. They just got caught. And when the cheaters get caught, they are endlessly vilified in, in, in the media because they want to set, everyone wants to set an example of what not to do. So I think that the, vilification of the Astros went a little far, a little further than it really needed to. I can understand the Dodgers being pissed off because it cost the Dodgers a World Series. Uh, but at the end of the day, you can't say the Houston Astros are the worst ever. They just didn't do a good job of covering their tracks. I mean, based, the Red Sox and the Yankees had their own uh, Apple Watch scandal a couple of years back, not, not long before or after the Houston scandal started. So really... It's pot calling the kettle black there at that point. Do you think part of it is the way that Major League Baseball handled the whole situation and just kind of came out and said, like, yeah, they they did something wrong, shame on them, and then hoped something else would come pick it up, and then finally having to have a announcement uh, with uh, in front of the press, but then the pandemic happened. So they probably were like, Oh, thank goodness that happened. 
And you actually hit the nail on the head right there because suddenly the pandemic happened and everyone forgot about it for a while until baseball started up again. Everyone forgot about the Houston Astros. Uh, MLB has never been good at handling any kind of scandal or any kind of issue from the uh, steroid scandal of the early 2000s, the Apple, the Apple Watch scandal with the Red Sox and Yankees. You name I, I could go on and on and on about different issues baseball has faced in the last 30 years. They've never been a good, they've never done a good job of really been able to put a good spin on it to really uh, avoid certain problems, certain PR issues that really would look bad on the Major League Baseball offices. Uh, and you, like you just said, uh, like you said there, they made a sort of like a, oh, well, they did bad, slap on the wrist, and then more came out afterwards, and then they had to go into uh, you know, cover their ass and point the blame somewhere else. And then they just served up the, every single Houston Astros player and coaches to get roasted by everybody in with an earshot. Do you think it's kind of they're making their money? You brought up the steroid scandal, the home run race. Everyone was watching baseball in the 98 summer and continued on. And then as it came up, like, oh, everyone was on steroids. Wow, we had no idea. But millions of people watched and we made billions of dollars. So, but yeah, shame on them. Yeah, they're the problem. Do, do you really think that Major League Baseball is that like, they're kind of on their island of their own in here in North America, the way that they deal with players, their relationship with the Players Association, uh, the fan, like it just seems like they're in their own cloud nine thinking everything's great until more and more people talk about it and they go, Oh yeah, that was bad, bad. You couldn't be more right. They have blinders onto the outside world. And as long as they see money in the pocketbooks, asses in the stands and money just coming in like crazy, they don't care how it happens really at the end of the day. They baseball is a, American pastime and that's how MLB wants to keep it. They want to keep it as a feel good, you know, it's tradition. It's as, it's as American as apple pie and muscle cars. Um, but when suddenly a problem erupts, they, they look like, Oh my God. And like you just said, like, how could this have happened? Real simple. You, you chose to not look at it and you knew it was happening. You chose just to turn blind eye after blind eye until suddenly someone else steps up and says, Oh, that's wrong. And then baseball does their whole act about like, oh wow, this is all wrong. We have to put ends to this. Steroids was a steroids was an issue 15 years before it became before the MLB head office made it an issue. The only reason it took 15 years was that the US government was focusing on wrestling, uh, not Olympic wrestling, but the WWF at the time and WCW and all that, they were focusing on steroid issues there. And then once they finally got done with that, then they turned their attention to baseball, and that's what happened. Yeah, yeah, hit the nail on the head. Uh, in a general sense, is do you think baseball as a sport is in trouble, or do you think uh, Major League Baseball is in any sort of trouble of falling behind the uh, the other major sports? And now we have a you know, I, I, I pull MLS soccer into it as like there are now five major sports leagues in North America because soccer really is an international game. And as more multicultural North America gets, 
it's bringing that soccer attention here. And we have countless teams now. There are minor leagues uh, now being built both here in Canada and the U.S. Do you think baseball is kind of facing trouble and the heat that potentially, you know, soccer could replace it in that top four and, you know, baseball sitting bottom uh, of that list? Yeah, they actually are in trouble. Um, baseball is the slowest moving sport of those five in terms of pace of play, um, how much time the ball is put in play. I mean, soccer barely stops. Soccer doesn't stop very much. And, you know, major props to those athletes who have insane cardio running up and down that field. Oof. Um, basketball players back and forth for 48 minutes. Guys like LeBron James, Kevin Durant. I know I'm picking the biggest stars, but it's when they're there, you might as well pick them. Uh, they're playing 39 and 40 minutes out of 48 regulation minutes a night. And that is up and down a court hockey players, Connor McDavid, who I don't know how he skates as fast as he does. I'm not sure if he's human. Uh, he skates faster with the puck than without it, but hockey fast moving sport football can be a fast moving game in flashes, but even football has got I mean, it's the highest grossing sport of all of them. So it, they've got the money behind it and they have the star power and no one's going to say boo about football. Unfortunately, that does leave baseball as the, uh, the ugly stepchild of all the sports, unfortunately, in terms of pace of play. It is not moved into the, into the 21st century in that regard. It is still very slow moving. Pitchers take their time in between their pitches. Uh, guys like Marcus Stroman and a few others who are actually more about up-tempo pitching are the irregularities not the norm? Uh, I know I know baseball is trying to institute uh, pitch clocks so that every twenty seconds a pitch is thrown. That way, you know it speeds up the game a little bit. And you know they're trying to get those rules where extra innings you start with a runner on second base, so the games don't go as long into the night. You don't have the 18, 19 inning marathon games. But overall, baseball as a whole is not. It's more of a picnic, really, feel. You, you don't go into the stadiums at a baseball game expecting to see war like you do in hockey and football, even soccer even, where, you know, it, it's such a pressure-packed, uh, excuse me, pressure-packed environment in those stands. Baseball, you don't. So people lose interest very easily, especially if the game is boring. If it's not, uh, there's nothing exciting. If there's like a, if a no-hitter is going on, sure, people will stay and watch. But if it's like 0-0 zero, zero into the seventh inning, each team has five or six hits, but nothing really major is happening. Attention spans will wander, and that is going to leave baseball behind. Not initially, not like the next few years, baseball is still semi-okay, but we get into 2030, 2035. Baseball doesn't change by that point. The new generation of people coming up, you know, the, I don't know what generation people want to call that now, uh, but they're more about instant gratification and baseball is not going to do it for them. They're going to leave baseball behind and gravitate to faster moving sports. And that is going to be troublesome for baseball to try and speed their game up and catch up to where all the other sports are already at. Well, that's a, yeah, you hit the nail. Baseball is the slowest sport out of all of the sports you saw, you know, soccer, we know it's 90 minutes. There's a 15 minute halftime. You, you can kind of work out in your head okay, game starts at this time, I will be home at this time. Uh, basketball, same kind of thing. You know, it, there's lots of starts and starts, but it's only a 48-minute game in total. So, you know, okay, about two mm -hmm. hours with a halftime. Hockey, 
slightly slower uh same thing too but you know you can you know two hours uh two and a half hours uh you can time yourself out football is slightly slower because of the stops and starts uh but you can have a fast moving game uh but like you said it has billions of dollars behind it yes uh, if you know, people stop playing football because of the safety issue. The NFL could be in trouble, but it is the most powerful of all the sports with the most amount of money backing it and the most amount of passion of fans that will die for the sport to continue. And then you have baseball where you can go to a one o'clock game and you might leave at six, you might leave at four, you might leave at seven, you might leave at 3.30. Like who knows? You plan your day around it because you don't know when you're going to be home again. Exactly. And uh, like you said, yeah, they've tried to make it. Couldn't be more right. Faster. But as people get, you know, into, you know, we had Vine and now we have TikTok where people make really quick videos. And if your video is longer than three minutes, you're like, oh, man, that's so much long. Like, what am I going to do? Highlight packages now aren't very long because uh, people don't want to watch to the end where we grew up. We wanted to see the 10, 15 minute highlight package. Yeah, if it was a very exciting game, stuff happened. You want to see all the exciting stuff. Now people just mm-hmm. want to know, like, okay, that person, oh, hit a home run. Okay, that oh, nice throw. Okay, what's the score? And that's it. Exactly. Exactly. But that doesn't mean that people are losing interest in baseball when you have a team or a city like Montreal that is begging for a team to return uh i miss the expos uh i unfortunately never got to see them in person uh many times i tried but they left before i you know could rent a car and drive to montreal by myself uh slightly missed that boat uh but uh they're getting baseball kind of back what Let's just pump the brakes there a little bit because, granted, hey, I'm a Jays fan first because I'm, I'm born in Ontario, but I love the Expos. I watched them in 94 when they were – they should have gone to the World Series that year. The strike hadn't happened. Uh, I will forever lament the fact that the strike came in and it robbed the Expos of going to the World Series. Uh, the smart money that year had the Expos and the Blue Jays on a collision course, which would have really set baseball – in a different direction than it went because if they'd had two Canadian teams in the world series, who knows where baseball would go. Do you think, um, sorry to interrupt, but if that happened or they met in the playoff or something like we all, we all saw the Expos as the favorites and, you know, there's no winner of 94, but a lot of people, journalists out there say the Expos probably would have won. They had the best one. They're in the conversation of one of the best teams to never win because it wasn't their fault that they didn't win. Um, Now, a few years later, you know, around the year 2000, uh, Vince Carter is lighting up for the Toronto Raptors, thus creating a collision course 20 years later for basketball to be very, very prominent. We have lots of basketball athletes coming from Canada now. Do you think if we had even a sprinkle of a chance for Toronto and Montreal to meet in the World Series that you know, 10, 15 years. So 2010, 2015, we would have had baseball players coming up the wazoo out of Canada, uh, having that baseball effect like Vince Carter had uh, the basketball effect here in Canada. 
that just scratches the surface because you are 100% right. That just scratches the surface though in this country because this country embraces winners for the most part. I mean, we could talk about some other franchises who haven't done so well in 50 years. People still love them, but that's a different topic for a different time. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, uh, baseball got big in Canada. Baseball was big in Canada. Got a few very big Canadian baseball players, a few big stars, Larry Walker. Um, but had the Expos had that opportunity to at least be in the championship series, win or lose, wouldn't have mattered in 94. The Expos make the World Series. And, I mean, God willing, the Blue Jays would have made it to that year. Everyone in Canada would have been paying attention and they would have had the limelight to themselves because hockey would have just been in its infancy. People wouldn't be paying too close to the beginning of the season. All eyes would have been on the World Series and kids would have been playing baseball growing up. Kids would have been, you know, instead of shooting the puck into a net for a game seven overtime winner, they would be looking for the bottom of the ninth grand slam to win the World Series like they're heroes. Uh, and Maybe the Expos never leave. Now they left I, for a few different reasons. I'm, I'm hoping to touch on that a little later on. Don't yeah. look into it right now. Uh, the Expos will still be here. Baseball would be thriving still. And like now we have in Canada with you know Jamal Murray, uh, Chris Boucher in Toronto, a couple other very big Canadian, prominent Canadian stars throughout the NBA. We would have that also in baseball as well. I mean, we're just beginning to see it happening now with more and more Canadian talent hitting the pipeline. Russell Martin obviously was a big name in baseball for a long time as a catcher. A um, few other guys made their marks here and there as pitchers, but they never could quite put it together as superstars. Uh, I know James Paxton had the no-hitter in Toronto as a member of the Mariners a couple of years ago, but we're just now, in 2020, starting to see more and more kids in Canada get baseball scholarships to go to the States and then they're getting drafted by teams in higher positions. We still haven't had a number one overall pick to be a Canadian yet. And that I will be a bit of a sore spot for our country until it happens. I also pity the kid who has that happen because the pressure on him will be enormous. Mm -hmm. But I mean, the Expos themselves, I mean, people in Montreal have got to be the most rabid fan base for anything I've ever seen in this country whether it be the MLS. Uh, I mean, we could talk forever about the NHL and how rabid they, the Habs fans are. Doesn't get much more rabid than them. Um, the Alouettes in, in the CFL, big, big, I mean, devoted fan base. The Expos had a very devoted fan base as well. Unfortunately, what happened with them was their owner. They got a new owner. I mean, he came in, bought the team for next to nothing in the late nineties and then ran the team into the ground and made sure that they, they, that baseball wanted them to move somewhere else. Yeah. That's the thing. Like you said, we, yeah, we'll probably touch, I'm sure we'll touch on it later, but uh, you know, if they make it to the championship series or world series, I, you know, them not playing baseball in 94, that started that 10 year decline where they were gone in those 10 years. I don't, I think it would have been the exact reversal that, you know, they, they make a run for it. You know, they win the world series. The Expos are still there. We don't have, you know, Washington nationals are probably an expansion team at this point, not a, not a, a team that moves. So uh, I'm sure we'll talk about last year in 2019 or maybe 2018. I don't remember. I remember being in Montreal at my wife's uh, parents' place 
And I said, in five years, uh, they will have a team. And the only thing standing in their way is getting an agreement for a, a stadium. Uh, they can start to play at the Olympic stadium. As long as the stadium is being built, that is, that's all, that's all they need. They can, they can survive in the Olympic stadium until that new stadium is built. That's, that's their only, that's the only caveat. And it looks like they might have land maybe if the city allows it. The last report that has been released to, released out into the public that you know we've been able to get our hands on, there is land. The city has set aside land yes. for it, but there's a lot of zoning issues going on. There's a lot of work to be done. I think shovels might have just broken ground. Um, the five-year time window that you said, unfortunately, I'm going to have to disagree on, just because of the, the logistical hurdles that need to be, still be there uh, that the city has to clear. Uh, the only franchise that makes sense to even relocate. Montreal won't be an expansion. It will be a relocation because uh, baseball is not interested in an odd number of teams like the NHL went to when they went to Vegas. Even though the NHL had plans to expand to 32, they were not happy about having to go to 31 for a few years. Baseball has no intention of going down that route. Uh, so you'll see it'll be a relocation. I'll put money on that right here and now. And it will be Tampa Bay because ever since Tampa Bay joined the league, their first year, they had sellouts. They were drawing fans, and it looked like a good proposition. However, the second, ever since then, they can't sell out a game to save their lives. And like, I'm just, not even sure they sold out all the playoff games. And it but sucks when, when they've gone they, to the playoffs. I mean, I think it sucks that Tampa Bay made it to the World Series and they couldn't, they weren't even playing at home. Like, who knows what that, no, they're all again. Playing. Who knows what that could have done? And that five-year plan, of course, did not put a pandemic in that uh, timeline. So, of course, of course, it might have to be altered. Um, uh, but yeah, and you know, let's just get into it right now. If if we were to, if another team now, uh, you can pick any other city. Uh, let's say there is an expansion in uh, in baseball because basketball is looking to expand. Uh, they haven't put a timeline, but they certainly put a price tag of $2.5 billion for a, for a team for a basketball expansion. So uh, they, it's ridiculously high, I think, but uh, I'm sure there are people that will pay it. So uh, baseball, yeah. <laughs> uh, baseball expands. Yeah. Where do you think a team that is not there besides Montreal? Cause I think they're the obvious next step. Uh, they're they're essentially ready because they're already a uh, a market that they have information on and they've played uh, exhibition games there and have sold umpteen amount of tickets in an Olympic stadium that can hold seventy thousand people for an exhibition game yeah. from Toronto, not even the same city, and pick an American team, whatever. Where else do you see baseball working and expanding in a league that, as we said before? could be and looks to be in trouble. You look at all the major markets and everyone says, I'll go to the U.S. Actually, you, you can't go in the U.S. There really is nowhere else to go that actually has a big baseball following that doesn't have a pro team close by. If baseball is going to survive and baseball wants to expand, Vancouver. That's, that's my pick. Yeah. I'm crazy. People will say I'm crazy for it, but you look at Vancouver, 
it's got a heavy, heavy influence on the Pacific Northwest. Uh, you've got the you got Washington State right there. Oregon's not too far. California isn't that far either. I mean, a few hours travel through of you there, and you're you're in California, a state of 35, 40 million people with four professional baseball teams, at least four, maybe five. Uh, do a quick math here: Oakland, San Fran, two LAs. Who am I missing? San Diego. Yeah, they got five professional yeah. baseball teams in that state. So you've got some built-in rivals that can be there in a heartbeat. Well, Maybe Oregon would be the only other choice I could think of. Well, that's the thing, right? Like Seattle is right there. How many Jays fans travel down whenever Toronto's in Seattle for a series? It's three quarters Blue Jay fans. On a, ninety percent. Like, the last and, time I watched, the last time I saw a game there, and they just they play three games in Seattle, and that's it. How many Vancouver? How many Little League baseball teams from that represent Canada at the yep. Little League World Series come from British Columbia? Uh, or the West Coast in general, they get the least amount of snow out of all in Canada. So they can play baseball a lot longer. How many professionals? Justin Morneau uh, comes to mind. How, like, went to the Little League World Series and then made it to the big leagues. Like, so most of our Canadians that make it to the major leagues in the past were from the West Coast because that's where baseball holds the most influence. And I, I've never seen a report. I mean, they probably kept it hush-hush for a long time, but uh, they must have some information on where to expand. And Vancouver has to be high on that list. I don't know how high it ranks on that list in terms of MLB's offices because everyone outside, of, even in the NHL a little bit, they all have a bias towards this this country. Unfortunately, our dollar isn't as strong as the American greenback. It was for a while. And then, unfortunately, the that last economic recession just before the pandemic hurt our dollar. And we haven't really recovered from that. So they're always nervous about putting a team in Canada in case our dollar fails, because all the teams operate in U.S. dollars for the salary cap for paying the players, all that. So if the Canadian dollar is weak, then it's going to cost the owners more to pay their players and then their expenses run up and they don't make enough revenue. Then the team becomes in financial trouble. Look at the Ottawa senators for how many years in the late nineties and early two thousands before Eugene Melnick came in, the Sens were in financial trouble because the Canadian dollar was getting its ass handed to it by the Americans. And they just, they were having trouble affording just to pay their players. So while Every fan in Canada would love to see it there. And I'm sure there are, there are fans in, Min, in Minnesota, in Seattle, throughout Washington State, and throughout the northwest uh, coast of the United States who would love to see another MLB franchise out there, especially in Canada, built-in rivals. I don't know it's a toss-up to see whether or not the, uh, the MLB offices see it that way. Um, I have a sneaky suspicion that they would probably choose to look at every possible American site first. And if those strike out, then they'd look at Vancouver, unless Vancouver can make a hell of a pitch to them. Uh, on that, they would, have to, they would have to have a dome stadium. You could not play a baseball season outdoors in Vancouver with how much rain they get. There would be way too many rainouts. They oh, would need on. to have. You don't wanna, uh, like, they don't want to play. Oh, they're a bunch of sissies not playing in the rain. Uh, just... <laughs> We're, we're spoiled in this country with hockey and watching the NFL. So you're watching 
hockey players play through injuries that most mortal men should never even try and football players getting smacked at each other at high speeds. Baseball, unfortunately, as much as it gets ripped, baseball gets ripped on big time by everybody for, you know, it's not a manly sport. Um, you, I know you play some ball, so, so have I. And when you're out there on wet grass, slipping around, you can take out your ACL or your hamstring very easily. So uh, also you got to think of the TV rights too. I mean, professional sports is no longer professional sports, now professional business sports. Mm-hmm. So you have to keep that in mind that they're, they're TV rights. They're not going to want to see a lot of rainouts and then have to play double headers where the first end of that double header is going to get no viewing audience. They're not going to make any viewership ratings off that one. So uh, if Vancouver was to try and put together a bid to have an expansion MLB franchise, it would have to be at the very least uh, a Toronto style building where the dome could be retracted easily in great weather and closed within a matter of minutes in bad weather. The only other city I could think that comes to mind that is, was an untapped market until a lone NHL team decided, you know what, we're going to take a gamble is Vegas. And Vegas has the same issue, you know, the sun, the heat, it's just like Arizona. Like you can play in a, in American standards, uh, whatever, 110 degree weather, like plus 40 here in Canada. So you're going to need some sort of shaded stadium or, built around stadium with shade or a dome or retractable roof like they have the new one in texas uh just because of the heat middle of summer no fans are going to want to go if they're going to sit and get heat stroke day after day yeah yeah but i can't think of another u.s city off the bat that doesn't already have a team that would be successful And with the movement in sports to go to single game betting now, yeah. I know that a lot of the leagues are, you know, they're dipping their toes in it and they're a little hesitant to get there, but it would make sense. I mean, yes, the uh, the Las Vegas Raiders didn't have a great turnout fan-wise this first season, but like we mentioned <laughs> earlier, you, no one really saw a pandemic coming. Yeah. Um, what, what, Let's open a new happened? stadium. What? No one's allowed? Ah, oh, man, that sucks. Uh, okay. <laughs> Uh, but you know what, honestly, I mean, getting a chance to look at that stadium without fans in it, you know, watching games down there, the stadium looks beautiful. It's well-designed. It looks to be phenomenal. Uh, they got plenty of land in Las Vegas. Yeah. It would they're, make they're not sense hurting for space in Vegas. <laughs> no, sir. No, sir. They are, they are not. Um, I would like to see them go to the Pacific Northwest first. Mm. Um, you mean you've got so many teams that play in sunshine routinely everyone in California Phoenix, Houston Miami, Tampa I mean Tampa's got a dome stadium but you have so many Atlanta so many places have hot weather just for a change it'd be nice to see somewhere that's a little cooler temperature wise so Portland, Oregon would be a nice place to look at if you're not going to go to Vancouver that's a beautiful city uh like it's a picturesque i mean it it would be right where a baseball stadium could fit in and not look out of place yeah i mean yeah you could go to those untapped markets that don't have uh you know teams that 
normally, yeah, you have that Portland. So if Vancouver doesn't get it, you have that Seattle rivalry right away. Um, yep. Yeah, I'm trying to think without looking at a map. I'm just trying to think of maybe New Orleans, uh, but I don't know how baseball crazy New Orleans or Louisiana is. So, uh, basketball, football, or their sports down there. But uh, yeah, it's it's going to be. I I, mean, the, I think uh, I think expanding plus tinkering with the game is how you get fans back um or gain new fans mm. um another way is uh they've been really focusing last year they had the expanded playoffs i enjoy i think the more playoff teams baseball has been so stingy on how many you know playoff teams get in like oh four how exciting is that for base like yeah baseball playoff baseball is exciting as hell to play in it not that I mm. came even close to playing in a professional baseball league, but even rec league baseball playoffs are more exciting than game three of the rec league season. So why have they been so hesitant to adding? You make how much money off of TV rights for playoff games? You make you sell out crowds for for home playoff games. So what has been the hesitation? When teams are that bad and they're out of the running by the uh, just after or around the All Star break, what in you know are you know bobblehead giveaways going to bring fans in August and September? No. So having more playoff chances and in the NFL, sometimes you get those you know eight and eight teams or seven and nine teams that are horrible, but they win the division because the whole division's bad. The fans still come out. They come out eight, eight, eight games and then they go to that ninth playoff game knowing that they're going to get their asses handed to probably, but they're spending that money. So the off chance that a mediocre bad baseball team can make the playoffs might hurt baseball or to some people or be, oh, to the higher ups. The, I've been watching baseball forever and that is against my way of thinking. The new fans are going to be like, hell yeah, my team sucks, but I'm going to drink $12 beers because it's playoffs, baby. Woo! Everything you just said was bang on. By the way, I love the imitation of the, the old purists of the game, by the way. Great <laughs> imitation. Bang on. That was well done. Um, there are pros and cons, though, here. And, you know, I'm going, to, I'm going to play both sides of the coin for a little bit here. Yes, uh, we'll, we'll go pro side for more playoff teams. It keeps you know, the regular season more interesting. You don't have teams, as many teams looking to tank and have a fire sale at the trade deadline to try and recoup prospects all the time. Like Baltimore and a few other teams that have been over the last 15 years who haven't been relevant in a long time. I mean, Baltimore's always relevant for the like, two months of the year and then they just lose and lose and lose. And then they're not relevant by the, by the time the end of July rolls around and the trade deadline shows up. So, yes, more playoffs is great. Expanded playoffs this year were great in baseball and in the NFL. It worked. It made that number one seed in the NFL much more exciting. It made baseball seeding much more exciting. But, and I say but, and yes, everyone wants to see the money. The league would love to see the money come in. And I'm going to talk the purists of the game. We're going to leave them alone. But just from a logistical point of view and just from a a worthiness point of view. It almost gets under the skin of a lot of fans when 
a team with a losing record gets in because of expanded playoffs gets a lucky stroke, a lucky bounce here or there, and beats a team that they should have no business beating. And then they go on a Cinderella run, whether they make, whether they win the championship or not, it leaves a sour taste in a lot of people's mouths. Uh, I mean, would, would anyone have been – how many people would have a sour taste in their mouth if the, the winner of the NFC East would have gone to the Super Bowl, given I how mean, bad that division was this year? That's like, the... They'd be looking at it as a joke, as, as, as if, like, what the hell is going on here? So they would, you have to limit how many people, how many people love that? Like the giants, the the New York giants who went up against the Titan, New England Patriots, the undefeated, the, you know, the Patriots just had to win one more game for that perfect season. Uh, And then the giants shocked the hell out of them and won the Super Bowl. They were the sixth seed and they, you know, everyone counted them out. So like, I, I get that. But that's also the beauty of sport. On any given day, anyone can beat anyone with a lucky stroke, uh, you know, and a bad call that the referee made because they're human. Or, uh, you know, I mean, umpires are just a whole nother breed that just... (laughs) (laughs) We're not even going to touch that because baseball is just a little bit messy like that. But, like, that's... Someone could have the game of their lives and propel that team to an upset victory... I, I get that. I just, I guess I see the upside more than the downside. The NFL is unique because it's all single game elimination. So that is in any given day. doesn't matter what can happen. They are a unique playoff breed. Mm. Their playoffs are so unique compared to everybody else. Baseball, especially baseball. I mean, baseball has a best of five first round, then best of sevens. You have to be careful how many teams get in the playoffs. I would say no more than seven teams on each side. And that's pushing it at that point, in my opinion, really, I'm fine, I, I'm fine really with, pushing it. I'm fine with seven or eight, like, cause there are what, I wouldn't 30, want to be eight. No, well, I just say eight cause it's even then, but then you could do the, the seven, like the NFL did and have just the one team yeah. getting the break. So uh, I, I wasn't crazy about the seven, but uh, you know, it adds that importance. Like you said, the, the first seed getting that break and only one team getting that break now, because then less teams rest their starters, less teams, uh, you know, September has to be exciting. You know, you got a jockey for position for home field advantage. I did. Yeah. If you've locked up the top two seeds already, you're just in the NFL, the last two or three weeks, if you're that good, you're just whatever. You're just playing. Um, but even Casey strings. didn't rest Patty Mahomes. Well, yeah, they, they, you know, they put five hundred million on him. They gotta get their money's worth. <laughs> Actually, that's a great segue. Uh, are contracts part of the issue that throw people off of watching baseball? Because besides Patrick Mahomes uh, and some of the quarterback uh, contracts now, baseball is just people look at those contracts and they just, they're, they're just oh, yeah. obscene. With all due respect to every professional athlete out there, they put their bodies on the line. They shorten their possible livelihoods. They, they know that they're, when they get old, they're going to be aching and more sore than any normal person is. And they have every, every right to earn money. There is no human being on this planet worth half a billion dollars to play sports. There is no I, human being worth four hundred million dollars to hit a ball. Uh, that's the that's the thing. 
NFL justifies it, and I hear fans justifying it that like when quarterbacks get a big contract, it's oh well, quarterbacks can be the difference between your team winning the Super Bowl or sucking. In a team sport, if a if a position player means that much uh, of winning and losing, I mean because the quarterback starts with the ball every play, like yeah, ba- football is unique, but. Baseball, there are nine people on the field for defense and one person hitting the ball and you get to hit the ball once every two to three innings or on the odd occasion, again, in that same inning because your team's really hitting at the ball. Like to hit the ball two to four times a game and then catch or, you know, sit on a bag, like that's a lot of money for someone who doesn't do athletically as much as someone in another sport and And there is another problem that goes with that as well uh four hundred million dollars i guess i'm I'm using uh that that recent contract that was just paid out there how many teams can afford that That, that's the thing there's no there needs to be do you think a salary cap is needed going forward 100%. 100%. Look at the NFL. Look at NHL. I'm going to use those as a lot of comparisons. The Some people NHL don't even know the NFL has a salary cap because for a long time they didn't. And the NHL kind of came in like, and everyone was against it, but the smaller market teams wouldn't be able to survive. And it'd just be a, oh, we're out, you know, New York versus Toronto again because there's only eight teams left. But they salary cap everyone bitched and moaned and whined and then uh here we are now thriving at 32 teams in a pandemic and we're okay they're gonna come out okay nfl well they just own half of america so they're okay they get money every time you say the word super bowl so don't sue us Um, yeah (laughs) the big game i mean that's what i meant um (laughs) baseball is the only like What's the uh, is it the purists like again? Like, honestly, I, I don't know what baseball's reluctance to a hard cap is. The NHL probably did it best because they were also resistant for decades to bring in a cap. Then you had the season long lockout where everyone, especially in this country, was hurting, and hockey came back with a cap. Now, that cap has more than doubled since it came in six, 15 years ago, mm-hmm. it came in at 39 million. Now it's up over 80, but hockey revenue, but it was tied to the revenue and the revenue was off the charts for a long time. And the NHL was catching baseball for overall league revenue, which shows you how much baseball had an advantage on them coming in and how much hockey has grown and how much smarter the NHL was business-wise. That's a different story. Baseball has a luxury tax system. I think it's at 180 or $185 million for your payroll then it's a dollar for dollar. However much you go over, you have to pay into a tax, and that's divvied up to all the smaller uh, market teams who you know don't break even, pretty much, to put it bluntly. The problem is a team like the New York Yankees is never going to run out of money because they have guaranteed season seats. I mean, that's what, a 40,000-seat stadium, 50,000-seat stadium that is two-thirds already sold out on season tickets, and there's a waiting list for season tickets there. Like People put them in their wills to their kids. So they don't lose them. Uh, so they're never going to run out of money. Everyone wants a New York Yankees sweater or a ball cap. It's a classic logo. Everyone knows it. 
I mean, uh, same thing goes for the Boston Red Sox. Same thing for the LA Dodgers. They Those make their payroll just like on merchandise alone. Exactly. So those three teams are always going to be able to outbid pretty much everybody else except each other, except those, except the three of them for the hottest free agents. I mean, uh, take a look at some of the guys who, who go to Boston. Like David Price went to Boston after uh, 2015 when, when, when he was traded from uh, Detroit to Toronto. And then he went for his big $200 million deal. Uh, Mike Trout's one of the few who hasn't gone to one of those three big teams yet. He stayed in L.A. with the uh, Anaheim, well, Los Angeles, Angels of Anaheim. I hate that name. They'll always be go, Anaheim. Go back to the Anaheim. Yeah. Angels. It works well. <laughs> but the, uh, that's an exception. Everybody has gone to, I mean, look at all the big stars the last few years. So at some point, they played for the Red Sox, the Yankees, or the Dodgers, where they're looking for the big payday from those guys now. Uh, Trevor Bauer got his payday from the Dodgers. John Carlos Stanton and Aaron Judge get their paydays in New York. Now, Judge was a prospect of the, one of the few of the Yankees have actually drafted and homegrown on their own. Yeah, imagine uh, that, having a scout team. and development. What? I know. I mean, the Yankees now granted them I mean, a few of their guys, like Derek Jeter and a couple others, yes. some of their legendary players, yes, were scouted and homegrown. But a lot of the guys on, the, on those uh, that dynasty that was in the early 2000s weren't. They were brought in through trades, very shrewd trades, but trades or free agent signings. Uh, Roger Clemens, cashing in on his back-to-back Cy Youngs in Toronto, goes to the Yankees. Um, and I, I could go on. I could talk for an hour about all that. It is long past time that baseball gets a salary cap. You will see, and you know, purists will begin angry at me, you will see a, a better distribution of talent like you saw in the NHL, Paul Correa going to St. Louis or Nashville after years as an Anaheim duck, Marty Brodeur playing in St. Louis, which was weird. Um, but you'll, you'll see teams, they won't be able to stack up a lineup anymore. You won't be able to throw out five superstar pitchers and a lineup that can hit a home run one to nine, unless you scout and draft. That's what the game has to get back to. You put more money into your scouting department Find the gems, find the people in the mine when they're coming out of college and in the minor leagues, you know, just roaming around trying to, you know, earn a career. And then you grow those guys and make them into homegrown stars. That way, A, you don't have to pay them as much right off the bat. Number one, you don't have to fork out $400 million for their first contract. Your expenses stay down. Your revenue stays high, sky high as you keep winning. All the teams will start going, just going to the bank and laughing with all the money they're going to make. Baseball will be healthy as a league. The players will still make their money. That won't be a problem. The fans will still get enjoyment because they'll be able to, doesn't matter what sport, sport, and as a fan of any particular team, you've probably lashed on to one player who was drafted by the that team groomed as Ottawa. I mean, just, you know, I'm here in Ottawa. You're out there in the prairies. You talk Ottawa senators hockey here. First thing that comes up is Daniel Alfredson. You'd want to talk um, football in New Orleans. Drew Brees. He was a nothing quarterback. They traded for him. They, they groomed him. They changed him as a player. 
guy is now going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Should have a multiple Super Bowl rings, but he got robbed out of going that. We could talk. That's, that's a whole other story. There were the fishes, <laughs> like you were talking about there. Um, but we go on and on. Uh, Derek Jeter, probably the one clean cut guy that, even though he played for the Evil Empire in New York, you couldn't hate because the guy was as clean cut as they get. He was marketable in every sense of the word. You couldn't. You had. You wanted to hate him, but you just couldn't. A homegrown player. People latch on to those guys, and that's where you can make your money. Uh, you're spot on. It's it's how many times do we talk about Boston, New York, L.A., uh, and they're you know those two Boston and New York are in the same division, so they mm-hmm. fight each other, and then L.A. is just out in the West Coast being like, "Oh, okay, I guess we'll, well yeah. Who who do we have to play? Oh, okay." Oh, wow, they're good. Oh, damn. <laughs> then you get the anomaly, the Oakland A's of the Moneyball era that, you know, flipped the system on its head and set the record for most unbeaten streak. And everyone was like, what the fuck is happening? Because their payroll is $20 million. How, how are they doing this? And then the flaws in the playoffs. But still... Now everyone tries to copy Moneyball to save money because they can't compete with Boston, New York, LA throwing out big contracts. Uh, so they try and win another way, which I guess was good for baseball for a while, but now we're kind of back in the, the bottom pit. It, uh, just baseball has been always the hesitant to evolve. Yeah, e- exactly. Twice now. Tampa has just gone on magical runs of the World Series and lost both times to uh, Philadelphia and L.A. And they constantly have they – have, they have probably the greatest scouting department in baseball. Full marks of the Tampa Bay Rays scouting department it is probably the best I've ever seen at finding gems from all over. The draft, international, straight out of college, just undrafted free agents. No one does it better for finding the gems, grooming them in the minor leagues. No one knows about these kids. They weren't big signings. They come up and they're throwing 99 miles an hour on the radar gun, or they can hit 400-foot homers like it's no one's business. So, And then they, they get a chance to succeed. But unfortunately, then when those contracts run out, and they're you know, the, now they are commanding a much bigger salary, because Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay has to let them go, and then Tampa Bay falls back down the rungs for a few years until they rebuild their system. It breaks my damn heart, you know, as a sports fan, because you'd like to see more teams have that ability. You'd like to see more teams have the resources of the Yankees and the Red Sox. So that way people, players have choices where to go because there are some wonderful sports cities out there beyond New York and Boston. Uh, Toronto is one of the most multicultural cities I've ever witnessed. And I've been across North America a little bit. It's a beautiful city, a little crowded, but it's a beautiful city. And the multicultural flavor there, I mean, it doesn't matter where the player is from, he's going to feel at home. Uh, you look at New Orleans. That city, yes, they know how to party, but it's such a rich culture. You, you'd love to see these cities get put on the map uh, for having the resources. And they won't until baseball actually brings in a cap and says, Yankees, Red Sox, Dodgers, enough. 
we're tired of seeing we're, we're tired of seeing these storied franchises constantly be the only ones everyone's talking about coming October for the wrong reasons. You hear that, uh, Manfred in the uh, uh, baseball league? <laughs> is Manfred even still the commissioner? I don't even know who the commissioner is anymore. Is it still Manfred? No, bro, Rob. Rob no, Rob Manfred's Manfred, still okay. the, he's still the commissioner of the league. Okay, I didn't. He's way, way, way better of a guy than Bud Seeley was. Seeley grew oh, the game, okay. yes, but he he was hard to listen to. <laughs> well, uh, you know, baseball still went on last year. They actually started. Uh, spring training uh, and then they stopped it obviously as things got worse um, now everyone kind of thought that baseball would be in the best position to return the first because out of all the major North American sports they are the most socially distance acceptable sport what mm. the hell happened where they were Ego. the last Was it the ego, ego of the players or was it the ego of the league? Both, actually. The Players Association and the league office was – they both had their head up their own asses. The Players Union, run by Tony – who I'm uh, pretty sure Tony Clark is still the, the, uh, the PA president, former, you know, former power hitter and great star for the Detroit Tigers back in the 90s and early 2000s. Great player, great ambassador for the game back when he played. But at the same time, now that he's you know, off the field and behind a desk wearing a suit, Will fool of himself. Both sides were arguing how to, you know, over what how the COVID protocols should be implemented instead of actually listening to medical professionals. They were trying to come up with their own special, unique ways of doing things that would be, you know, be like, oh my God, everyone's going to love this. Instead of just thinking a common sense approach. So... You're 100% right. Baseball should have been back. They should have been back in June had they been smart about things. Had they decided that, you know, sports, especially in North America, sports is the number one way to begin healing for mass people. Look at nine, um, you know, we bring up tragedies. You can't really put them on the same level as pandemic, but we're going to use them just as a comparison level. Look at 9-11. We were all teenagers back then. We remember vividly. The first public gathering at a sporting event in, was actually back in New York for the at Atlanta Braves-New York Mets game. Great rivalry in the NL East. One of the best I've ever seen. And when Mike Piazza hit that home run, I think it was in the sixth inning, I started crying. Didn't care about either. Didn't care who won the game. Not a fan of either team, really. I started crying because of the raw emotion that was there. So sports is the best way to start bringing people back together, and indeed one of the number one ways to help a mass of a massive group of humanity to begin healing. Because we all have something in common at that point. We're all there, whether we're actually you know this pandemic would have been different. We all would have been socially distant, but it gets people talking again. It gives people something in common, who they may not know each other, or they may they may be the best of friends but it gives everyone a starting point to bridge and begin to heal. And baseball missed a big window there. Well, it didn't help because that of their own, the own egos of everyone involved. It didn't help that other leagues around the world. So the Korean baseball league, uh, you know, Japanese baseball league, they all got started. So then ESPN, TSN, Sportsnet started to show Korean baseball leagues. One of the first episodes we did 
I came up with a segment uh, called Deep Dives, where we talk about different sports and different leagues around the world and introduce them, talked about the teams because they were the first things on our TVs uh, starting in May and June uh, before North American sports got put together. So I was just like, well, no one's going to know what the hell the, uh, you know, what a, uh, you know, our, uh, our Dino King and all that teams over there, they have weird names, the Tucson Bears, uh, the uh, Samsung yep. Twins, like no one's going to know what the hell those are. So, but, you know, people woke up at midnight, 1 a.m. to watch baseball and everyone kept thinking, well, why can't we do that here? And it just progressed and progressed and they became the last league to start. Out of the three who paused themselves, yeah, they were the last. Yeah, yes, of course, yeah. Yeah, I mean the, the NFL came on later, but they didn't. They don't. They didn't start them. And the NFL did have to cancel their stuff too. They had to cancel yes. the, the Hall of Fame ceremonies and the Hall of Fame game. But hockey and basketball had to figure it out better. They figured out a bubble, keep everyone together. Baseball could have done this, something similar. It wouldn't have been great for the. It wouldn't have been a great visual for the sport. And I get that they wanted the visual of teams back in their own buildings. Toronto didn't. Make it, didn't get to come home. They had to go play in Buffalo, and they're playing in Dundee. They're, they're still not they're home. Minor league down there. They're not going to be. In, they're not going to be at home probably earliest until the September push. If they're in contention for the postseason, that's the mm-hmm. earliest we're probably going to see them home. Yep. If, if we're lucky at all this year. Mm-hmm. If baseball could have just figured out, you know, there were states with stadiums that would have fit major league necessities. And they could have spent April and May putting in temporary measures for camera angles, for replay stuff, to get all the logistics there sorted out to have, you could have made three or four different bubbles. Exactly. Cal- and like you could you have said, had a season go much better. There are five major league stadiums right there. Uh, how many other you know minor league stadiums around there are there that you could potentially use? You have all the spring training, uh, you know, places in Arizona and Florida. Like there are, there there were ways to do it, and they just dropped the ball and dropped the ball. But we eventually got a season, uh, and finally, the Dodgers win the World Series. Uh, Players like Kershaw get a ring. Um, Oh. It's, uh, you know, what? and baseball is, uh, the, there are always arguments like in the NBA, the NHL, people were saying like, oh, like this season's an anomaly or they get an asterisk. Uh, I, fo- I found when it happened, baseball got that the least because of what they went through, how many games were canceled or pushed, uh, you know, how the team still traveled. And then they went into a playoff bubble in two cities and then brought everyone together for the final four. It was, it got a little crazy with baseball and the logistics. I didn't want to be in that office ever, but uh, at the time, you know, many people are still aren't saying, Oh, the Dodgers, you know, deserve that. They didn't, they don't need an asterisk. And I think all of that talk now is just kind of gone and no one's saying, well, this is, you get an asterisk besides this championship. So I'm glad that conversation has stopped. Um, but it, was it about time the Dodgers win a World Series? 
you took the words right out of my mouth. The LA Dodgers, for the better part of the last decade, have been World Series contenders coming into the season. And for whatever reason, Clayton Kershaw can't seem to put it all together come playoff time. That guy is the epitome of a workhorse. And he has got the drive of a competitor a la the late Roy Halladay. It is a, they always just seem to, couldn't quite get over that last little hump come October. They always get knocked out by an upstart team or they would make a really bad mental error late in a, in a best of seven series in, in, a, in the league championship and in the conference championship for those who don't follow baseball. Um, so they always really seem to forget how to play the game just for one inning or one game would cost them everything. So I am really like you. I'm really glad that that discussion has ended. It never should have started. There should be no asterisk. The Dodgers are the World Series champions. They are the defending champions coming into this year. A couple of guys like Clayton Kershaw, long overdue for a championship ring, finally have one. A couple of young guys like Cody Bellinger, um, well, very deserving of a, of a ring. It's finally good to see the Dodgers back on top. First time since 88, since, you know, you and I were children. We don't even remember that one. But, uh, no, it's, it's good to finally see them get off the snide. The Red Sox had theirs in 04, getting off, of, getting off the snide a little bit. The Yankees had theirs in the late 90s after not winning the championship for, what, 15, 20 years. They got back on it, and then they went on to win four out of five. Um, no, it, it's good to see. I don't think the Dodgers are going to be able to repeat unless David Price really uh, – comes into his own yes they picked up trevor bauer in free agency they've got like seven or eight legitimate starting pitchers on their on the rotation so you might see a couple of those maybe you see david price go to the bullpen be a long man at a relief sort of thing something tells me they're not going to repeat this year just a gut feeling i think it was a one and done for them they'll make the playoffs they'll, they'll probably win their division i don't think san diego is quite there yet no matter how good their young guys are i mean you've got uh fernando tatis jr there that kid just like his old man can just crank him out like no one's business. Um, if uh, what's his name there, Manny Machado can put it all back together. He had a really rough year last year. He can get it going. Uh, they've got some good pitching. They've got more than enough offense for that ballpark. Uh, I still think the Dodgers will take that division. And I don't think it's going to be close. I think they're going to wind up hitting cruise control in September and just coast it as a division champion. I uh, just I don't see them getting past uh, either Atlanta or the Mets. Mm, okay. I think those two teams will be, uh, and you can't even discount the Nationals. They still have a decent team. Uh, I, I see the a uh, National League champion who goes to the World Series coming out of, out of the NL East. Well, yeah, and you kind of hit the nail on for this season. Do you think the storyline going into this season is going to be uh, experience? is going to kind of guide those teams with ex many experienced players uh, into the playoffs? Or do you think we're going to start to see those teams with uh, young players, exciting players like a San Diego, like a, a Toronto uh, start to emerge and finally break through? They'd be like, you know, we're tired of being oh, we're up and comers. Now we're, we're, we're going to make some noise. What type of season do you think we're going to have?
sorry there. That last question cut out on me. Say that again. Oh. Uh, what kind of uh, do you think we're going to have a, a veteran-led team uh, carry teams, or do you think the up-and-comer teams are going to uh, finally break through and uh, make a lot of noise this year? Well, regular season-wise, yeah, the up-and-comers are going to make a lot of noise, and the focus will be heavily on them. So you'll see a lot of focus on the Padres early in the season, especially if they can do well. If the Padres fall out of it, then they're going to get pushed to the wayside like they usually do. Um, you've got some other exciting teams that the D-backs don't sleep on them. They're, they're um, Madison Baumgartner looks like the old Madison Baumgartner when he played in San Francisco. So he looks pretty good again this year. Uh, you know, you, you mentioned Toronto. They have got probably one of the most exciting young groups of talent. Uh, I mean, position players, Vladdy Jr., uh, Bo Bichette, Kevin Biggio, three sons of Hall of Famers. You've got Nate Pearson on the mound, who the ongoing debate there will be with his innings coverage because uh, he's never pitched more than 131 innings in any given calendar year. And to play a full season as a starting pitcher, you are expected to throw 200 plus. So his arm is not up there strength-wise, even though he has got the most, some of the most electric stuff we've seen in the Blue Jays uniform in quite a long time uh, as a starting pitcher anyways, pretty much since Roy Halladay as a starter. Um, you'll see them go through their ups and downs. What's going to make the difference on those young teams is some of the veterans who are they're surrounded with. Marcus Simeon, George Springer, in terms of the uh, position players, they're going to have to help lead those guys out of slumps and try to make those slumps as short as possible because the Blue Jays will not win a lot of games based off of starting pitching unless, you know, Tanner Rorick just massively rebounds. Robbie Ray has a huge career bounce back year. They're going to need a lot of, they're going to need to catch lightning in a bottle and really hope to God it never disappears on them. Otherwise the Jays are going to have to out slug everybody just to have a shot at the postseason. And as we all know, and where it's going to shift to a veteran laden advantage is come October experience is not teachable you don't you can't teach experience you have to go through it so a team and you know i've said you know i, I was bashing on them over earlier because they spend money but a team like the yankees who have got a wealth of experience on that roster in a seven game series against the blue jays i would have to take the yankees because they know how to win and they know how to not let a loss affect them or a particular blown call affect them and it won't, it won't snowball and turn into one disaster after another. So, and they're also managed by a former player and a World Series champion in uh, Aaron Boone, who, you know, good on him for, you know, he's just had that heart procedure. Good on him, he's feeling better and he'll be back. Um, one of the greatest sound bites of, uh, was it two years ago when he was uh, yelling at the umpire saying, my guys are effing savages in this box. Uh, Probably the greatest manager clip I've heard in a long time from him. Um, but no, I'll take I'll take a veteran-related team come playoff time. Regular season, the kids will make noise and they'll be exciting, and that's all people are going to talk about. But they're, the veterans will just be quiet. They'll just do their thing. Come playoff time, they'll make the noise, and we, you will see a team that has a lot of vets. They may not have played together a lot, so like a team like the Mets, they have a they have a lot of veteran players on that team. Noah Syndergaard. 
uh, Marcus Stroman. They picked up, uh, what's his name, the shortstop out there in Cleveland, Ramirez, in, in that trade. Uh, so they have, a, they have a lot of experience on that roster now. I would take that over uh, the San Diego Padres in the best of seven. Uh, yeah, you hit the nail on the head. We're almost at opening day, and when you're hearing this, it will be opening day. We have some uh, pricing for some of those tickets. Uh, of course, not many teams allowing uh, many fans. Uh, some teams will have no fans, unless you're in Texas where you're given the green light to have 100% uh, fans. So that uh, could be dangerous, but uh, we'll see. Um Yankees Jays four hundred and twenty-two dollars. D-backs Padres nine hundred and fifty dollars. Pirates Cubs four hundred and twenty-seven. Phillies Braves five hundred and twenty-three. Orioles Red Sox three seventy-nine. And uh, the bargain of this list: Cleveland Detroit one hundred ninety-nine dollars. Are you spending any of those amounts of money to go to an opening day game? Not a chance. Not unless that game is in here in Toronto for the Yankees and Blue Jays. Um, I, I the, the D-backs one blew me away because neither team is a World Series contender. They're not top 10 on the odds to be in the fall classic come October. And yet somehow that's the most expensive ticket here at almost $1,000 a ticket. I'd like to know who was drunk. <laughs> and what idiot decided that, oh, yeah, I think it's a fair price to charge $1,000. You know, I get the fact that teams want cash revenue coming back in. That's not the way to do it because then you are only inviting elite clientele. You're not actually getting the real baseball fans. You look around at sports. The average fan is a blue-collar person like you and me and millions of other Canadians and Americans out there we make we don't we don't make the, the six figure jobs. We don't have the plushy you know expense accounts and drive BMWs and Lexus and all all the fancy cars. We drive Honda Civics. We drive simple four doors or two doors two door cars that go into the shop every three months, and we have families. But those are the real fans, and we expect to pay. $200 for four tickets. So I don't know what baseball's thinking there. I don't know who said, hey, that's a good idea. Let's charge $1,000 a ticket. That's smart. that's smart for opening day. I can understand $1,000 a ticket for the World Series because that's the World Series. But I, I, I shake my head in disbelief, almost outrage at the prices of those tickets. Uh, it's almost a slap on the face to you know most fan bases really, because some teams aren't even going to be playing in their home stadiums. I think it's just ridiculous. And it just it makes me sick seeing that it's $1,000 for two teams who, unless lightning strikes in the bottle, are not going to the World Series. How did you know my car goes into the shop every three to four weeks? Are you spying on me? Um, you, 
you know what? I, I wish I could say that I was clairvoyant and I was smart. You know, I was just calling a lucky guest. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, I have my own staff I work with and I hear their, I hear all their stories about their cars. So I'm just drawn off that. So uh, baseball uh, all-star game still scheduled to be played. Um, thinking that things are going to be at a quasi normal by middle of July. Uh, do you think it'll be a kind of a warm welcome? Uh, that's kind of the halfway point of baseball the, you're getting into the, the dog days of summer as they call it in middle of July. Uh, do you think it's going to be a reprieve to see the all-star game or is it going to be like the NBA all-star game that just happened where everyone was scratching their heads going, why the hell did this thing happen? Unless they're able to bring in a decent crowd, like more than 50% capacity, no point of doing an all-star game. The NBA one left me scratching my head and baseball Oh, that's going to the all-star game too because the all-star game is in Atlanta, so it's fine. It's same place as the NBA, so we all know how Georgia's going right now. So it'll be a hundred percent by July. We'll have we'll have a hundred percent capacity. It'll be fine. Then okay, but well, okay, but I'll, I'll say this: if COVID, it won't be in our rearview mirror at that point. But if the state's got a handle on things, if the state of Georgia has a handle on things. And, you know, their cases are, are down and it looks like they've got a good system in place and it's relatively safe. I'll use that word strongly, relatively safe to have a decent capacity, even three quarter capacity crowd in attendance. Go for it because it is. And a lot of what baseball is, is based in tradition. Baseball is a national traditional pastime in America. So, you know. Why not? Then baseball hates to break with tradition, which is why they're, you know, we were talking earlier, why are they so reluctant for rule changes? That's one of the big reasons is, you know, they want to be traditional. They want the things just to keep going the way they have been for a century plus now. So I have, I've got no problem with them wanting to do an all-star game if they can prove scientifically with numbers and fact that there is a low, a very low risk of a flare up of COVID in Georgia for the all-star game. If, if there's anything other than that, cancel it, move it, keep it in Georgia for 2022 and move on with the season. Otherwise. That's asking a lot of Georgia. <laughs> hey, I, I, I'm looking at it logically and I'm, you know, and I, I can make a, you know, a few comments about how crazy some parts of the United States are and how much of a lack of logic that they use, but that's for another time and another place. If you forget, Georgia's um, connected to Florida, and it's close to Texas. Not really, but... <laughs> of course, I all kid, the, the Texas our American thing, listeners, we love you, and uh, we hope you are safe. Uh, we know you're not in a political position making these decisions, so... No, and I, I have family. I have a lot of family in the United States. I have a lot of friends in the States uh, who I'm in contact with recently, to regularly checking how they're doing. Um, but no, uh, the, the Texas thing with allowing a full crowd to start the season, that makes no sense to me. 
whatsoever. COVID's not over down there. Um, like I said, though, if any kind of public health official can come in and say reasonably that, okay, the county where the baseball stadium is, is low COVID risk, there's not many cases, and the ones that are there are contained, go for it. Get people back into the normal lives. That's going to that's gonna have a snowball effect in a positive manner, and I'm all for it. As long as it's, you know, I'll, I'll put in quotation marks, safe. That's, I think we're going to see that a lot going into the summer, uh, even the spring in some areas, I'm sure. Uh, people wanting to go back to uh, kind of a normal summer times that really great time to get together, go to a baseball game, be outside patios, paddle on the lake. So I think you're going to see some places just kind of open up and be like, yeah, let's go. And then some hesitant and obviously people are going to complain either way, whatever is decided, but let's get into the season. We're going to go through each division and we're going to pick who we think is going to be successful, make the playoffs. As of right now, the playoff structure has not been agreed upon. We are uh, less than, uh, we are exactly three weeks from opening day and they still haven't decided what the hell they're going to do for playoffs. So if it was, we're just going to go back reserve reverting back to the five and five or uh, yeah, the, yeah, the five and five. So uh, we're going to pick five from each and we're going to see, and we're going to come back at the end of the season. We're going to see how spot on or horrible we are. I don't know if you've listened to a previous podcast. We've, uh, we've done this with the NFL and the NHL and uh, we were like 15%. So. Yeah. How, how, how did you do on your NFL and NHL picks, by the way? How was uh, that? NFL wasn't bad. I mean, there are a few surprises, but most of the mostly we picked the the teams that made the playoffs. I think minus one or two. Um, we did one for this uh, opening NHL season in January. Uh, I'm sure I went with my heart on more than one team rather than logic. Uh, so I also did say not to put any money on my picks because they are probably wrong. But if you did put money, you would make a boatload. <laughs> so it's a catch-22. Either you're going to make a lot of money or I'm going to look really foolish. So, so, where, so where, where do we want to start? you want to start in the National League or the American League? Uh, let's start in the National League. Why not? So we'll start with the NL East. We have Atlanta, Washington, the Mets, Philly, and Miami. Who is winning this division? Oh, it's a, it's a two-team race in my mind with a third team as a bit of a, I don't want to say dark horse, but they're going to need a lot of things to go right. It's going to be Atlanta and the Mets with the Nationals just behind them. Philly's going to be there part of the season. Miami will fall off pretty early on. They don't have enough going for them. Miami, something needs to be a big, a big fix in Miami to make them a contender because they are just a laughing stock year in year out right now i don't hold much hope for them like i said philly yes they got bryce harper they've got offense but they can't seem to keep bryce harper healthy long enough and they always have something happen to them that derails their season kind of like the eagles and philadelphia just has had a rough go lately 
Um, it's going to be a three-team race. Um, my gut says the national, uh, the, the Mets. Excuse me. My, my gut says the New York Mets that win the division, but it will be close. It's going to come down to that a uh, last week of the season. They'll be fighting neck and neck with the Braves the whole way. Don't sleep on the Atlanta Braves. They've got good pitching. They've got a hell of a great uh, offensive core. You can't take them lightly on any given day. Uh, Ronald, Ronald Acuna there, he's the anchor of that lineup. He, I don't know how he just, he, he, sees, he sees the ball out of pitcher's hands so well. It's uncanny. It's better than Josh Donaldson, better than Jose Bautista. Better than Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa. He just sees that ball coming out. He reminds me of Ken Griffey Jr. in his just the way he swings, the, the, the way that his focus and determination at the plate reminds me of a young Griffey. Uh, yeah, so I see it coming down as the Mets winning it, but they'll win it in a squeaker over the Braves. I really hope, I do hope some divisions this year come down to the last two weeks because that just makes it so much exciting because then the teams are just playing those teams in their division. They're not playing blue Jays aren't playing Seattle in late September. And if they are, whoever made that schedule is, should be fired. But uh, yeah, it's going to come down to those divisional games that will be the difference. Uh, So yeah, I, I, I think it's the Mets turn. They've been kind of playing second fiddle um, for a long time and they have the pieces um, but yeah, like you said, Atlanta is also right there. I think whoever doesn't win the division will get one of those two wild card positions. Hundred percent agree with you there. Uh, so I, yeah, I'm I'm confident in that. And yeah, like you said, Miami is just going to implode in May probably, and Philly, yeah, is just going to be bogged by injuries. And Washington is that middle of the road, but not quite there yet. Uh, but in, in a few years. But don't sleep, don't sleep on the Nationals because, you know, there's 162 games and I'm going to, we'll, we've said this at least once and we're going to probably say it at least one more, two more times before this, before we're done here today. There's 162 games coming down the pipeline. Injuries happen, free things happen. So the Nationals may be that we may have them in that third spot but I would not be overly shocked if they overachieve and surprise me a little bit. Yeah. I mean, it's not out of the possibility that both wild card wild card teams come from the same division. So, I mean, it's completely possible. The Nats still have Strasburg and they still have Scherzer. Yeah. They, Hard to get a better one, two punch on the mound than that. They, they're not too far away from their world series victory. Like it's, we're, we're counting them out and they, just they two years were, ago. Exactly. Seems like a lifetime ago. Uh, The NL Central, we have St. Louis, Milwaukee, the Cubs, Cincinnati, Pittsburgh. I think this is a hot mess of a division. Uh, Who? Perfect. Is it it kind of just they're all going to stand in the line and just look at each other and go, do you want to go for it? No. How about you? You? Me? I don't know. We're... Someone has to win. I, you know what? You hit the nail on the head twice. It is a hot mess of a division that used to be the strongest division in the National League just two or three years ago. Like the year the Chicago Cubs finally won the World Series, and the year after that, you had St. Louis and Chicago and like Pittsburgh 
they were fighting each other neck and neck the whole season, all season long. St. Louis was, you know, that division has now become a head scratcher. I'm not even sure really who you could call as a favorite <laughs> in that division. Maybe, maybe I give Milwaukee a bit of a, a bit of an edge. They still have uh, some good pieces there. Um, you know, sentiment says St. Louis for so many years, like Atlanta in the nineties, when in the end, at least for so many years, St. Louis was the class of that division. That's the default. So answer you always want to see them people. back there. Um, Cincinnati is probably the biggest mess of that whole division. They can never seem to put it together. Um, the Cubs were only a few years removed from them being the World Series champions and being a perennial contender. So I don't know what's happened there. I mean, they can't seem to get Rizzo and Chris Bryant and a bunch of the guys who were key key cogs of that team back on the same page again. Uh, so almost by default, I'm going to say Milwaukee in that vision. But like I said, how New York and the Braves are going to come down to the last weekend. That division may come down to that last weekend, but it may be also a case of being something similar to the uh, NFC East this year in, in the NFL, where whoever comes out, comes out of that division, yes, they won the division, but they are not going to go anywhere. Yeah, I've uh, you know I felt bad for teams like Pittsburgh who who tried to put a winning team out there with uh, you know all stars like McCutcheon yeah. and. Like you just, they just couldn't get it going injury and just bad situations. And the Cubs for so many years had to deal with St. Louis and never getting over that hump. And then finally breaking the 108 year old curse. Like, uh, but yeah, for so many years, St. Louis was just the default, like, Oh, yep. There they are again. Uh, but I I've had a soft yep. spot for Milwaukee. Um, They've had so many great players, but always really kind of forgotten or counted out. People being like, oh, yeah, they have a team. Right. So, uh, yeah, it, it's almost a coin flip at this <laughs> point. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm good with Milwaukee as well. Well, uh, I don't see another team making a challenge for the wild card. So it's going to be a one, one horse race. And... The NL West, the defending champion Dodgers. We have Arizona, San Francisco, Colorado, and San Diego. This one's going to be more of a, a challenge. Uh, do uh, do we just do we say, uh, you know, whoever doesn't win will get the second wild card or will challenge for it? Well. We'll get the the obvious answer out of the way. The Dodgers are winning this division, and I don't think it's going to be close, honestly. Uh, I think that by the time we get into the second week of September, they're going to be on cruise control. Not going to lie, I thought and you were going to say the second week of April. Mathematically winning the division. <laughs> no, not that soon. I'm not, I'm not that ballsy. Um, but, no, yeah, San Francisco's a hot mess right now. Colorado's – eh, so it's – Colorado's in trouble.
you go out and they're going to dip into that big pool of prospects and they may go after Nolan Arenado and take on that money and God help the AL East if that actually happens. Because I do not want to see Nolan Arenado. I would love to see Arenado in a Blue Jays uniform. But if I'm the Yankees, if I'm the Red Sox, I don't want to see him coming and hitting in our ballparks because he has the power. Forget about the Colorado thin air argument about home runs. He's got enough power and he's proven it in other ballparks. He'll make the AL East look small in terms of the ballparks there. But that aside, Colorado is a hot mess. Bigger than people realize. And it wouldn't shock me to see those two traded at some point in the season. If early on, it looks like things are going south. Mm. San Francisco. It's scary to say this. We're not 10 years removed from their last world series title. We're not they a were, decade away from that. They yet. were a powerhouse, and now they're—they they won what three in five years, three in six years. It was every second year they were winning the, the title. Um, some great World Series to uh, matchups too, especially that one against Kansas City in 2014, I think it was, and Bomb when Baumgartner was just a workhorse in the in the World Series. Uh, but they've they've turned into a hot mess. Um, really. I mean, the D-backs could catch lightning in a bottle, but they'll need to catch lightning in a couple of bottles, really. The only team that's going to challenge the Dodgers is the Padres. They're the only team that really has a chance to catch them. I don't think they're going to. They're a little too inexperienced. They'll be exciting to watch. Don't get me wrong. Padres games will probably have the best viewership, and they'll get more national exposure this year than ever before because of who they've got there, Manny Machado and Fernando Tatis Jr. Uh, That could be the... That could be a modern-day Bash Brothers, you know, for anyone old enough to remember Jose Canseco and Mark McGuire in Oakland. And that's dating myself a little bit. <laughs> no, Just a I, little. I, I agree. I, I think it's going to be a three- or four-team race for that for, for the wild cards. Uh, you know, like we said, whoever doesn't win the East will probably get one of those. So then it's, you know, is it San Diego? Is it Washington? Um, does a surprise team, you know, kind of make a challenge run for it. Uh, but I, I see those three ish teams being, uh, there in late September, uh, challenging to get a wild card position. Here's how I see that wild card shaping up. Uh, whoever, whoever's number two in the national league East will take top notch top spot in the wild card. And then I see three teams uh, right now, barring trades and injuries, three teams facing that, fighting for the number two spot. And that would be the Washington Nationals, the San Diego Padres, and the St. Louis Cardinals. Mm, yeah. The, yeah. You got no complaints there. <laughs> Beyond you, that, I don't see the National League doing very much to surprise me this year. Do you think that uh, the, the wild card game is, a, you know, a one game win and you're in? Do you think it should be, you know, whoever gets the top seed overall in the NL and AL gets that buy, and then the other four teams have to slug it out in a three or five game series? There are pros and cons. Um, I mean, if you're going to go with a, 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 a bit of a radical look, and you know, you were talking, we we're talking earlier about how to draw new fans in. It took a page out of uh, Champions League over in Europe. Have the number one seed get a bye to the second round. 
Mm. But in order to avoid teams tanking, like let's say um, in the National League, let's say that the Padres are the number two team. And let's say the top division winner doesn't want to play the Padres. Maybe they had a bad year against the Padres. So they'll lose a few games on purpose to avoid them. Take the four teams that aren't the number one seed, put them into a random drawing. Ooh. You don't know who you're going to play. Ooh, All you I know like is this. I the like only thing this. you know is that the two division winners have home field advantage. I like this. That way, it's excitement. Yeah. You don't know who you, you don't know who you're playing. You have to field your best team. It keeps viewership up, money coming in, and the playoffs are exciting. You, a lot of the stuff we talked about earlier bringing new fans into the game, reinvigorating the game, making money. You take off all three of those right there. So this funny story is uh, we're doing a, a countdown for uh, each summer Olympic sport as we get closer to the summer Olympics. And uh, badminton actually had a scandal, exactly how you were talking, where uh, a Chinese team, a South Korean team, and a team from India uh, wanted to avoid uh, playing uh, the stronger Chinese team uh, because no fault one Chinese team lost to uh, the Denmark team. Just yeah. they, it just happened that they lost and the Denmark team actually won bronze. So it's not like they were horrible. They just beat the Chinese team. So then they had a loss. The, de- uh, the, the Denmark team was going to be number one in that pool. So the one Chinese one team was going to be second. So that meant whoever finished first in pool B would have to play the Chinese team because they're playing team finishing in two in pool A. So there's a Chinese team, a South Korean. They're like, hell no, we're not. We're no. So then they started to play bad. And then the South Korean team that they were playing, they were kind of, they caught on and they're like, oh, no, no, you're going to lose. We're going to lose worse. So then officials, <laughs> officials are looking at this. They're like, what the hell is happening here? They talked to them. They're like, listen, you're really good. It's six to five. What the hell is happening? And then uh, an Indian team caught on that this time. They're like, no, 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 we're not going to play either of these teams. We're so, and then an Indonesian team got like four teams got disqualified and teams that were horrible that got already eliminated were brought into the playoffs because they eliminated so many teams. So a Canadian team almost won bronze and they didn't even win a match because of a scandal like this. So I mean, it's possible that something this massive could happen if given the opportunity in baseball. So I, that's very radical in North America and I love it. It, it. it keeps everything we want. Plus it brings in something new. Also, you know, a lot of sports are driven by rate by viewership ratings. You have a you show. Make, you, you have a whole show like, like they do for the draft lottery. Who's going to get the number one overall pick. That show gets a lot of viewership in Canada for the, for the NHL draft lottery. You make it for the baseball playoffs, and you'll have people organizing parties just to watch who's going to play who. Vegas odd makers will, will, will make a whole boatload of cash off of, you know, prop bets. Who's going to get the first – who's going to be the, the thing that plays so-and-so? You're, you're just said in, in Europe, they have whole shows and like an entire day a panel until the time up to the draw for any Champions League, the World Cup when they draw the different pools, the Euros are happening this year, 
They're yep. going to have a selection show uh, probably pretty soon because the Euros happen in June. Like it, it's you can watch it here in North America and people like take days off of work in the lead up so they can get a spot at the pub to watch this show that happens at, I think like seven o'clock their time. So really like two o'clock Eastern time. So like it, it's, it's, you're handing people money essentially. And right now, what does every company want, whether it's a multi-billion dollar industry like major league baseball or a little local mom and pop shop. Everyone right now is vacation days. What? Oh, oh, money. Oh, damn. I <laughs> uh, got it wrong. Ah, got to go back to school. <laughs> well played, sir. <laughs> uh, no, uh, everyone's looking for money. So if you're going to, you want to generate money. I mean, what, what's the old business rule? Spend money to make money. You spend a little bit of money on a, on a studio setup. You make a boatload of cash. Pubs make a boatload of cash. It's a snowball effect in this economy. Everybody wins. There we go. And you fans just restarted win because the economy. It's a playoff matchup, and it builds new rivalries. People, I mean, going to be wrong, Red Sox-Yankees, old rivalry, always works, must-see TV. Same time, some new rivalries wouldn't be a bad idea either. Mm-hmm. So let's transition to the AL, the AL East. Uh, everyone watches this one here in Canada uh, because the only Canadian team in there. So we have the Yankees, uh, Tampa Bay, Boston, Toronto, and Baltimore. Uh, poor Baltimore was given uh, the only team in the pre-season uh, uh, rankings. They were the only team given a 0.0% chance of making the playoffs. Even the other worst teams were given a 0.1 or 0.5. They just didn't throw Baltimore a bone. So uh, we're going to assume they're going to be out on April the 5th at this point. Um, <laughs> so it's a four team race in the AL East. Uh, does anyone challenge? Is it going to be Boston Yankees or is Toronto really going to make a splash or does Tampa Bay surprise everyone again? Uh, Tampa won't surprise anybody this time uh, for in, in two meanings of the word. It, they, no one will be surprised to see them do well if they do well this year, because now people are going to come to expect it. Tampa is routinely challenging the Yankees or the Red Sox for number one in that division. Now, a couple of years of the last few, it's not a surprise anymore. And no one's going to catch them off. No one's going to be caught off guard by their strategies this time. Uh, so right off the bat, Tampa will not surprise anybody. Maybe the only surprise is if they really suck. That'll be the only real surprise Tampa Bay does this year. Uh, just briefly touch on Baltimore. There's a future for that team if they can get their act together at the front office level and work its way down. That team's got a future. They got some prospects. They got a bright future. They can put it together. Uh, it may not be the Mike Mussina Orioles that we remember in the, in the 90s, but they'll at least be entertaining to watch and they'll at least make some noise for a wild card spot in a few years' time. But that being said, I don't disagree with the 0.0% chance because they do not have a prayer. They don't have any. They're the only team that maybe, maybe has worse starting pitching than the Blue Jays in that division right now. And the Blue Jays don't have bad starting pitching. They only have one real bona fide number one starter. Everybody else is, it's a patchwork for the next four spots. That's why I say the Blue Jays are lacking on starting pitching. Um, the Red Sox are piecing their lineup together. They're trying to almost pull a 2000. And I think it was what, 2013 
uh, their last World Series, not, not their last World Series win, but the, the year they were supposed to be rebuilding, but they wound up re- winning the championship anyway. Uh, they're kind of pulling out again. They're bringing in a few vets. And they made some under-the-radar signings that actually look good. You know, pitching staff doesn't look too horrible this year. Uh, Chris Sale is going to be back, I think, end of May mm, from Tommy Johnson. Right. Yeah, yeah, he'll yeah, be uh, um, much needed. So if the Red Sox are even remotely still close to the division at that time, that's going to be a big shot in the ass to them and a big kick in, kick in the nuts to the rest of the division because Chris Sale eats the Blue Jays and the Yankees alive. Um, he, he That is probably one of the best left-handers I've seen since Randy Johnson. And yeah, I, I said that. I went there. Um, not too many lefties have struck, you know, can legitimately intimidate a lineup outside of Clayton Kershaw and Chris Sale. Like, I'm not sure I want to step into the batter's box against those guys. I don't care if they have their best game or not, they're still going to be tough to hit. Um, but really it's a three, but you know, as to who's winning that division, it's actually probably the hardest division to call because the Yankees, they've got some pitching, they've got hitting, they've got two question marks, judge and, and, uh, John Carl Stanton, uh, you know, two of the most physically imposing batters I've ever seen outside of Mark McGuire and Barry Bonds, but always hurt. They did, there was a big report actually. They came out and they barely touched the weights at all during the offseason. They were doing yoga and muscles like stretching and elongating workouts to try and improve the muscle durability instead of just raw power. So if that workout happens, if that workouts helps, those guys stay healthy and they when they get 145 to 100, 150 games out of them. I'm gonna have a hard time betting against the Yankees because that's probably the best three, four combo I've seen. I mean, even better than Jose Bautista and Josh Donaldson. Sorry, Blue Jays fans, even though I am a Jays fan, admittedly. John Carl, John Carl Stanton and Aaron Judge are just better. But that's a different story for a different time. Um, the Yankees will probably win the division. Jays and Rays will fight out for one of the wild card spots. I don't think both teams make the playoffs, though. Um it's actually a coin flip to see who makes it Jays or race at this point. I can't give anyone the edge. Wouldn't Tampa's it be got exciting if we had a play-in playoff game to get oh. to the what? Like that's oh. what baseball needs this year. They need a tie at the end, so we have to have that extra 153 game to just get to that extra wild card game. I will not argue with you there, sir. I think you're 100 percent right. I would love to see Toronto and Tampa tied and have to play each other just to get to the wild card game. Mm-hmm. That would be must-see viewing. Um, but yeah, unless, you know, some, unless the Blue Jays starters really pulled together at a level that no one, myself included, expects, um, no one's, no one's catching the Yankees unless the Yankees shoot, shoot themselves in the foot repeatedly. Um, the Yankees will take that division. And let's not let's not forget, you know, COVID's still around. COVID could play wreak havoc in the first half yep. of the season until yep. more people get the vaccine. So just like we've seen in the NHL, NBA, NFL, all the leagues have been touched and games have been, uh, you know, have to be rescheduled and players have to be put on protocol for. So, uh, you know, 
it's still 162 games, which uh, might seem like too many games for a season. Uh, You know, don't discount those first two months. Uh, Everyone kind of is just excited, but you go on a run or you go slip down a little bit and you have to dig yourself out of the hole or you think you're complete. Oh, we've won so many games in the early season. You know, it's a, it's a long season. It's a marathon. It's not a sprint. The old saying, you know, you, you can never win. Like in hockey, they say you can never win a, a game in the first period, but you can lose it. Yep. Same thing will apply to baseball in the first two months. No one's going to win the division outright in, by the end of May, but you could find yourself looking, looking at a long ways back and just starting to look ahead to next season by the end of May as well. So, uh, can't take any game for granted this year. Everyone, there'll be no mailing games, especially early on. Everyone's going to be looking to, you know, give themselves that breathing room. So that way, if COVID strikes, they have a, they're not crippled. Uh, you know, the Philadelphia Flyers, the Toronto Raptors, Baltimore Ravens, all teams with some heavy duty examples of COVID crippling a roster. Mm-hmm. The AL Central, we have Minnesota, Cleveland, the White Sox, KC, and Detroit. Uh, I'm not sure how this division's going to go. Uh, I would like to see Detroit be good. I have a little bit of a soft spot. Uh, but again, that's just me hoping. Um, I, who, who makes it out of this? Honestly, when it comes down to the AL Central. I'm kind of writing off KC and Detroit right off the bat. They're still work. Both teams are work in progress. It's Cleveland, it's Minnesota, and it's Chicago. And I think I'm going to go a little bit on the limb here. It's time for the Chai Sox. They have been busting their ass, developing players now for two or three years. They have an MVP candidate and Abreu. They've got Tim Anderson, who is a bit of a polarizing player, kind of like a Jose Bautista where he's just going to be him and he will tell you to go F yourself if you don't like it. And some people love, especially, you know, Chai Sox fans love him. Oh, Chicago, oh yeah. Loves Chicago loves that attitude. So, well, that's nothing, but that's typical Chicago style. And, you know, you either love it or you hate it. I respect it because it takes balls to be that way. It takes mm-hmm. balls to put yourself out there and say, this is me, who I am. You don't like it? Go to hell. Um, I think it's a tight up. I think it is the, the Chai Sox time. They Minnesota can't seem to put it all together long enough to make noise or the right kind of noise. Cleveland's going to take a bit of a step back, sending Trevor Bauer away and their best shortstop. They still have some pitching, but I don't think they have enough. So that leaves Ch- Chicago as being the team, like, like, like we've said a bunch of times, Still 162 games and COVID to deal with. So there's there's a long marathon and there's a virus. But all that being equal, I'm still putting the Chai Sox at the end of the season as being AL Central champions for the first time in several years. Yeah, they've been thinking like, I mean, obviously a, a lot of teams that aren't doing so well, they don't get talked about or you don't see the highlight. You don't see the, the five-minute highlights. You see the one-minute highlights. And, yeah. you know, the White Sox have been sneakily – moving up and being good but under the radar and a lot of casual fans you know might be surprised by hearing that that the White Sox are going to win but I I'm I'm on board with that I I don't see why it's not their time you know they've they've been kind of hovering around now and they've 
put the pieces in. And like you said, they got that swagger in them. They got that Chicago attitude that they're, uh, they're going to kick ass, take names and uh, not ask for forgiveness because they're going to be winning ball games. So uh, yeah, the only other team I could see is Minnesota, uh, you know, putting a little bit of pressure on them, but Again, are they going to fall apart or not? That's kind of the question for them. And like you said, yeah, Cleveland's regressing. They're going into a rebuild scenario. The whole thing needs to be rebuilt from the logo, from the name. So, yeah, they're 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 probably gonna they're gonna finish above Casey and Detroit, but they're gonna be that like third middle, but not really be. Yeah challenging whereas other divisions you know boston toronto could finish third and could be right behind whereas you know third place in this division is going to be far far behind 100 percent agree with you there 100 percent. and finally the al west we have the oakland a's the uh texas don't know what they're doing rangers we have the houston i swear i didn't bang a garbage can astros we have the <laughs> Identity theft, LA Anaheim Angels. And then we have the is Ken Griffey still playing? I'm pretty sure he's still playing in Seattle. He must be. They're they're the uh do uh is it just name just we put them all in a hat and see who wants to to win? Or uh is Texas is this is this the state of Texas's division to lose? Well, I got I, I got to love the chirps on, on on a lot of the teams there because damn that was brilliantly played. Um, yeah, I, I think Ken Griffey. I think Ken Griffey. I mean, all due respect. I mean, that guy was probably one of the best left-handed power hitters in the history of baseball. I think he's looking for a hamstring somewhere that he probably tore in Cincinnati. Still, um, really, even though Houston lost George Springer. And that's going to hurt them offensively because he was a big catalyst for that team. Him and Jose Altuve constantly were setting the table. Didn't matter where Springer hit in the lineup, but he was hitting bottom, where he was hitting top, in the middle. He was constantly making shit happen on the on, on the baseball field there. Uh, this is still Houston's division to lose, really. Uh, Texas, the Rangers are going to be a bit of a mixed bag. They have the new ballpark. They have, you know, a couple new players. No one's proven anything yet there. I remember, I mean, I'm sure you remember this too. I remember time when the, when the name, the Texas Rangers, struck fear into the heart. I mean, mm-hmm. a young Alex Rodriguez just coming off of being in Seattle there. Um, Adrian Beltre. Uh, Kenny Rogers on the mound, not the singer, folks. He wasn't. <laughs> there was no gamble act out there. Uh, but no, but they had a team. The Texas Rangers that you know battled the Blue Jays in 2015 and 2016 in the playoffs. They had an identity as well. That was a great rivalry. Oh, that right. I mean, two words: bat flip. Mm-hmm. Um, doesn't get any bigger than that moment right there. I still get goosebumps. I'm getting goosebumps now just remembering and watching it live, like watching TV. Like I scared half my neighborhood when that home. <laughs> um, my, my older brother was sitting there with me and he never gets too hyped for too much baseball. 
he lost his marbles. Like he was going nuts. Um, but the, the Rangers team had an identity. They were cocky to the point of arrogance, but it was well earned because they had a damn good team. They just made a couple of mistakes. Um, but no, but this this Texas team, I don't see that identity. I don't see the swagger that they have there right now. Um, Oakland. Oakland's Oakland. It, they play in a black hole. They they play in one of the most challenging atmospheres. Them and the M, them and Anaheim. That ball doesn't travel well at night out there. The air pressure changes when the sun sets out there in Oakland, in California. Take a look at that. You don't see home. You don't see games at night featuring 15 home runs. Those are all in the afternoon when, when the air pressure is different. Go look at that up. Go look that up. You don't see too many uh, long bong mashing. Excuse me, long bomb mashing games late at night there out in out in those uh, two ballparks the air pressure does something very weird out there um oakland still seems to, as if they're living in the money ball era like they're, they're, they're trying to relive that movie almost um they can't keep their star players they, they, they kind of is maybe a low blow to a few people but they remind me of the ottawa senators they can't keep their star players once they get good enough and they're constantly looking for bargain to bargain players to exceed expectations and have a magical playoff run. That may work in a salary cap world like hockey. That doesn't work in a, in a world like baseball. So Oakland, Oakland's like you said, Oakland's Oakland. They'll, they'll be around. They'll win some games. They're not going to be a, a big threat. If Seattle could put it all together, they'd be an interesting team. If Seattle could put it all together, I'd really like to see them do something well, do something special. Um, the only team I see challenging Houston and they're going to need a little bit of a lot of luck on the injury side to avoid injuries is the Anaheim angels. They have Albert Pujols who nearing the end of nearing the end of a hall of fame career. One of the best hitters I've ever watched. They've got Mike Trout, who's a perennial MVP candidate. Plus they have dual threat. You, you Darvish, not you Darvish, excuse me. Um, Oh my God, I just lost his name. The guy who can pitch and hit. I know, right? I, you hear his name all the time, and when you think of it, you can't think of his name. I can see his face. That doesn't do well for an audio podcast, but you know. <laughs> um, but no, but the, the Angels have enough firepower to stand toe-to-toe with anyone in that division and most teams in the American League. Can they stay healthy enough, number one? And can they get enough pitching, number two? Those are the two hurdles facing Anaheim. They cleared both those hurdles. They might just catch Houston because Houston's going to, Houston will take a half step back. They signed Jake Odorizzi just recently, Houston did. So their pitching won't really suffer too much, especially if Odorizzi finds his Tampa Bay form when he was mm. pitching down for the Rays because he and Chris, I think he was pitching with Chris uh, Archer, same kind of overlapping time frame. Those two were a formidable punch at the top of the rotation. Uh, he finds some of that. Houston will take a very small step backwards, but it might just be a small enough, a far enough step back Anaheim could catch him. But well, like, a lot of things have to go right for Anaheim. Like you said, 
I think Houston's going to need a little bit of time at that beginning to gel with those new players, pitchers. You know, they lost a few key pieces, but they're not crippled. So like you said, they're not going to win the division by the end of May, but they could have trouble securing the division because of those first two months getting used to everyone. I mean, obviously that's what spring training's for, but spring training ball, you don't go a hundred percent there. It's, it's a joke. It's like spring training is still important as we saw last year, players didn't get really a spring training and kind of the first few games were really bad. The NFL, no one takes the preseason seriously, but boy, do they need the preseason because injuries were plenty uh, and any sport really the preseason is more for players safety and less injuries to get back into game shape rather than it is the product on the ice, the field, the diamond. But yeah, so I think LA will challenge for a wild card or yeah. if not, they will challenge Houston anyways to keep them uh, honest. Uh, as much as I don't want Houston to still be, making the playoffs and, you know, they kind of put a black eye on, on baseball for a while in many casual fans. Um, you know, they're, they're still pretty damn good. And like, I would love for Seattle to, to make some noise because it's been a bit, uh, but they're still a ways away uh, from getting to the top of the AL West. Yeah, they need, Seattle needs a lot to go right, and they got to get a few more players and, you know, get a little bit deeper on the pitching end before they're really going to challenge for the throne of that division. Um, I mean, yeah, Houston put a black eye on the sport for the casual fan, and that's where baseball is going to hurt the most because you look at any sport, what do they want? Clean cut marketable players and teams who are seen as pure by the public before his career problems happened. The best, the best example of that would be Tiger Woods. He was above reproach for how, for so many years he was, he was the clean cut sports model that everyone wanted to be like until, you know, his personal life got out of control. And then everyone realized, he wasn't so clean cut anymore. Um, but you, you look at that, like when the NHL came out of their season long lockout, they focused all their marketing on Sid and Ovechkin. Clean cut rookies who were the new face of the league. Those guys were somehow involved in a, more than half the commercials, whether together or individually. And the NHL spent a lot of money hyping up every time that those guys would come to your local town. Ottawa, Toronto, Montreal, Boston, you name it. When those guys came to town, it was national viewing. So baseball had that for a while at Houston. Houston was just seen as a bunch of hardworking, clean-cut guys by most, by almost every casual fan and by the majority of you know more passionate, knowledgeable fans. Then suddenly this happened. So now baseball is looking for a new clean-cut image to – tie its boat to tie to tie its uh, dollar signs to. And we got to see who that's going to become now. Yeah. It's a, it's an open playing field. Let's see how well our picks do as the season progresses. Of course, baseball 
the season is definitely a roller coaster with all the injuries and 162 games and rain delays and double headers and the last thing we're going to talk about with baseball is Olympic baseball or international baseball is we we always see it with hockey, uh, football, not so much basketball uh, in the 80s and 90s. It wasn't, you know, it was just amateur. And then the floodgates opened. The Olympics allowed professional athletes. They wanted the best to represent their country. And usually the best are playing professionally for countries like Canada, U.S., um, France, Spain, depending on the sport, of course. Um, now, baseball or soccer in the Olympics is under 23 for the men's. Uh, women's, it's no age uh, gap. Uh, I believe that is because uh, during the Olympics, usually the season is going on or just finishing and the top players won't play. So you want the youth, the excitement. You get baseball of course, summer baseball is a summer sport. Uh, you get uh, no professional athletes from uh, North America because they don't want to stop the season. Do you think having a Olympic break once every four years? So the best, you know, how many America win the USA winning baseball in the Olympics? Of course, baseball has kind of got a turbulent. Will it be in the Olympics? Won't it be? But a way to cement it to stay in the Olympics is having those professional athletes having, what, 50, 100 million USA citizens watching the U.S. compete for a gold medal because they love watching their teams play for gold medals in this, the, the sport that they invented. You know... I'm a little torn on that. I would love to see the best on best in the Olympics because hockey proved that it's necessary. You want best on best, you take the best, which is the NHL. Well, and that's the and thing. So the NHL tried and baseball has the, uh, what it, the, the baseball classic or. Uh, the world baseball classic. Yeah, yeah the world. Ba so they do that. But when was it? It was in March, right? When everyone's not in game shape and it wasn't the best part, but the Major League Baseball put it on so they make all the money, just like how the NHL did it uh, so that they could make all the money because they don't make any money during the Olympic break. They potentially lose money because no product is being on. But it's more than making money. It's about growing the sport making it popular, all eyes. Oh, hey, cool. I watched Larry Walker hit a home run in the Olympics. Oh, he plays for Colorado. I'm going to watch Colorado now. So I, I think money, like, it's just smarter. Like you said, when the NHL did it, like, floodgates opened. It made it a worldwide game now. And that's, that's part of the biggest argument to be made in terms of pro being, being pro baseball at the Olympics, uh, like being for it. Mm -hmm. uh, and really, if they're ever going to want to bring baseball in full-time, it has to go that way because if you look at amateur athlete levels, just give the gold medal to the Americans. 
because no other country. I mean, you got Latin America too, because a lot of those players play professionally in like the Dominican league, the Cuban league, and they haven't made it to the major leagues. And they're usually the biggest threat to but they those... don't have the resources that half the colleges do in the United States. Well, that's true. They're, like I said, they, they, they challenge because they, they are playing professionally in a league. So they have, they're playing. Yeah. But... but then Japan too. Japan and South Korea have always been powerhouses in Chinese Taipei. And... It would be interesting to see pro ball at the Olympics they would have to shorten the games, though. It can't go nine innings. It had to be seven innings. Just for no other stuff, otherwise the games will go too long. And then, you know, extra innings could make the games just forever. And the Olympics is all about getting as much eyes on all the product as possible. That's true. You don't want something to go very long. Yeah. So if all the eyes are on a six-hour-long baseball game, Suddenly, you know, Summer Olympics, like the swimming and the, and the long distance running or everything else that happens suddenly loses viewership and loses everything else. And then there are, becomes questions of whether those sports should be in the Olympics at the expense of baseball. So if baseball is to go, I'd be all for it. Really, at the end of the day, I, I wouldn't say I, I wouldn't balk at it. There would have to be some rule changes for those, that specific one. The hardest hurdle would be getting the league and the players association to sign off on no games for two or three weeks. It would have to be like the NHL does it. No all-star game that year. Um, and there would be let there would be less time off in the be in the first half and second half of the season. Players wouldn't get this, as many days off. Uh, there would have to be some sort of roster expansion as well to try and rest those bodies who went to the Olympics, who didn't get any, who didn't get three weeks off to rest any nagging injuries or who got hurt while at the Olympics. I mean, look at uh, John Tavares for team Canada in Sochi. Was it 2014 when he got hurt, broke his Mm -hmm. leg and then he was not available to the Islanders for the rest of the year. So So I give you two scenarios. So they could go the Memorial or world juniors route where players are selected to go play for the world juniors, but junior hockey doesn't stop. Those teams keep playing Mm -hmm. uh, and you're just missing probably your star player from, you know, most, most teams lose about three or four uh, players to different countries, not just all to one country. So, uh, but they just carry on and play. Um, So that there could be, you know, baseball rosters have some, you have three farm teams below you that you could pick players from. So they're not hurting for call-up players. You get players uh, that are on the AAA team, more experience. You call them up for those three weeks. They get major league experience, get sent back down. That's fine. They can maybe use that as fuel to make the team next year. So baseball is being played in Tokyo. And so far it's been flip-flop because of where the Olympics are being played and they kind of play to what is popular around there. So the last time baseball was in there was in China, Beijing. China is very baseball pro. Mm -hmm. London, not so much. Rio, Brazil, definitely not. Um, Tokyo, baseball is huge in Japan. They have their own league. 
They have a yep. giant baseball dome that I would love to go to and see a game in once. So baseball's there. Uh, the next is in Paris. Baseball's not on the card. So the next Olympics after that, do you know where they are in 2028? For some re weird reason, they just chose two cities again because they're having trouble finding cities to host because of the cost of the Olympics. But 2028, do you know where? Isn't it back in the States in 2028? It is. Los Angeles? Los Angeles, 2028, the home of, well, not home of baseball, but the land of the free and home of creating baseball. I think that would be kind of, it's almost too perfect. And of course, we are called the Sports Unite podcast where, because I'm overly positive and I try and see the best in everything and how to make things good. This is how you bring baseball back into the Olympics. This is how you bring professional athletes to baseball. Is it in it? It is in the land where opportunity is made and you earn fans trust back by getting people's favorite fans and teams. And like you said, baseball's a long game. So seven innings, sure. Americans might not be like that, but you get that. And we have the, uh, you know, the internet now. People can have eight different events on on their screen and watch it at the same time. Uh, in the U.S. on NBC, they uh, historically tape delay a lot of things so that they can be in prime time. Uh, of course, that is too because it's time difference. But if it's in L.A., there's no, you know, a three-hour time difference is all that really separates uh the country at that point. So I baseball, if you are listening, this recording ever gets into your head office, uh, you can take my idea for free because uh, clearly I have uh, you know no will to tell you otherwise, but uh, there you go. There is my idea. 2028 baseball returns uh, and you now have professional athletes. Do you think they give me a contract? <laughs> do i get a job at head office uh unlikely Damn. i like the idea i mean yes baseball being there in the land of where it's most prominent is a great idea in order for baseball to sign off on this a few things are going to happen first of all you got to have labor peace between the league <laughs> and the yeah the worst relationship between a players association and the league so there's step one so and uh, if I'm not mistaken, the CBA is up after this year, is it not? It is. Yes, this is. So they're, they're going to need. And historically, they don't like signing long labor deals. They really don't. So uh, I don't see them signing a deal that will take them to 2028 and 2021. So true, yeah. I see them maybe signing a five year deal that takes them to 2026. And then like, it, it's broached in this one, but they do the heavy legwork in the next CBA that would cover that Olympic games. That's number one. That's, that is probably the biggest hurdle. Number one is to get the union and the league on the same page for that. Then you'd have to have some sort of Kavit. You have to have some sort of uh, rule, kind of like an NHL expansion draft. No team can lose more than X number of players. So We'll use the Yankees, for example. The Yankees, no matter what country, is asking, 
the Yankees can't lose more than five players. If, if the league is still going to go on during the Olympics, you can't deplete the Yankee, a, a team's roster just because, you know, 90% of their team makes the Olympic wants to be on the Olympic rosters. Sure. So either one if, of two things. If has- you, if you have more of a, you know, if you know of this ahead of time, you can plan to scout. And so that if you do have to call up people from your farm team that you were prepared for it, but that takes a lot of planning. So I, 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 I get that people might be upset. Like players might be upset with that. If they're like, Oh my, that's you. Your country has to qualify. Not that many baseball teams. I think only eight teams qualify at this Olympics. So not that many. So you won't, unless you're from, uh, you know, the U S I would see the only country that's been an issue for. <laughs> well, uh, Dominican Republic. Well, Dominican. Yes. But they too, they can pull players from the Dominican league too. They could, they but have a, they have all a their backup. Best ones are, all their best ones are still in Major League Baseball, so that's true. Yeah, I would still say it's one of one of two things for the season: either they have to shut down for two or three weeks, or they do what you suggested, which is not a bad idea. I actually kind of like it, um, but then you have to limit how many players can be lost. Yeah, I, I would be willing month. to. I would be willing to to give that up to have a cap of how many players per team if that meant that if, if that was a make or break then i would i would say yes and you know people might have an issue with it and players might be upset well uh, i don't know that's up to your national team picking i guess or uh, but at, at that point it also forces the national team picking to really stop and evaluate how they want to build their team yep so that so that they actually can get the yeses from the general managers and the owner saying, yeah, okay, we'll give you our star guy for three weeks because there, there could be a, a quasi thing where a player goes, you know what? I'm the, I, I'm the best Dominican player, but I'm the like sixth best national. They're all going to pick these guys. So I'm going to go to another team where no one's getting picked for an Olympic team. So I <laughs> like, there will be players that think that way too, which is the funny mm-hmm. part. They're not wrong. You I don't think that would be as big of, of, of a worry. No, it wouldn't. there'd be one or two players, I'm sure. Yeah. But again, those teams have to qualify for the Olympics. There, there are still teams, well, again, the pandemic, but you know, Team Canada is still vying for a place in the baseball Olympics. Uh, we don't really, we, uh, we're used to not having major league players, so we have to make do. Um, I mean, Canada is probably the one of the few, the few nations that would benefit the most yes. from having access to its best players and to have them all say yes, because God, what we could do with some of those guys. Well, that in soccer, um, you know, the Canadian uh, men's team is still vying to go to the Olympics. And again, it's under 23, but we have three to four mega stars now in soccer that are playing over in Europe that are going to lead the charge and be the future for <laughs> soccer here in Canada and you know we could make the world cup uh, we're still vying for the world cup and then and then it's hosted here in North America in 2026 we're probably going to get a spot there but uh, if we can qualify earlier that's just going to like it's, again it's that basketball effect uh, we now have 
high level talent playing in the best leagues for that sport. Uh, and it's only going to grow soccer as we have more and more multicultural people living here. Baseball could be the same. It's, this could be the catalyst that, that North America or Canada needs to grow more baseball talent. Well, you're not wrong. I mean, what's his name there in Byron Munich? Alfonso Davies? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, perfect example, though, of, of growing homegrown talent and then taking his talents abroad and hopefully getting to shine on the national stage, on the world, well, for the national team on the world stage. Same thing for base, same thing in baseball. Uh, I would love to see, you know, back in, you know, put Justin Morneau and Russell Martin back in their prime, along with James Paxton and, um, Eric Bedard, who used to pitch in Seattle and Baltimore, put them all in their prime, put them on Team Canada for, you know, these tournaments and see, just see where base, Canada baseball could go. All those guys saying yes and all those guys performing on the top end level. Maybe Canada isn't uh, so far behind the, some of the other countries. Yeah, we, we've had him. We had Eric Gagne, the best closer for three, well, three seasons before he got injured. And, but like he was the, he was all anyone could talk about for for years in baseball and you know it was unheard of be like where did this canadian come from why did he pick baseball instead of hockey you know we're we're starting to grow as a nation we're 37 million plus uh you know america is whenever it comes to a sport it's like oh why can't we be the best at everything and they they certainly put the resources in to try and be the best and put the best team forward you know, we're growing as a country. Why can't we start to think that, you know, we don't have to just think that we're going to be good at hockey and, oh, look, well, basketball, we're getting pretty okay at. And, uh, oh, there's that uh, oh field hockey. Wow, we made the Olympics? That's crazy. Why can't we be good? That's my thought anyways. No, and you're, you're not wrong. I mean, uh, on the men's and women's basketball side of things, I mean, Canada's finally getting some respect on the international stage. Uh, I mean, Kia Nurse is being one of the driving forces on the women's side, and damn, that girl can play. Yeah, our I mean, women's teams, our ba- yeah, ooh. basketball, like you said, our soccer team has been killer now for over a decade. They've yeah. had they've had back to back bronze medals in the Olympics, uh, constantly in the World Cup. We hosted the Women's World Cup here in Canada. Yep. Uh, you know, there it's it's getting getting to that point where when it comes to the women's soccer and basketball the women's basketball team is getting just behind them that when they start to play, enter a tournament, enter a world championship, a world cup, that it's like, Oh, it's almost that expectation, like in hockey or curling, even that. So gold medal or bust is, and the more sports that we can get to that mentality as more pressure it builds for the athletes, of course. And that's a whole nother issue, but that feeling of like, no, we should be on top because we have these athletes and, they are training and they're the best it like you said sports brings everyone together and nothing is more important than you know the olympic times people who don't watch water polo they're like hell yeah i'm an expert at water polo for two weeks now (laughs) oh truer words are never spoken and i think with oh go right ahead i'll say when it comes to you know on a national stage uh cheering for your country it doesn't matter how boring the, the competition is. You are cheering. Like you'll hear the Americans, USA and Canada, like the Canadian fans, Canada. 
it doesn't matter what the competition is. You want to see your country do well. And it would be absolutely beyond like wonderful beyond that word, whatever word you want to use that goes beyond wonderful to see team Canada at the summer Olympics for baseball with our best lineup going forward and actually playing and playing meaningful games and not just being a stepping stone for the Venezuelans or the, you know, Cubans, Dominican Republic or the United States. Exactly. And with that, that's going to do it for this episode of the sports United podcast. Enjoy opening day. Uh, Cheer on whatever baseball team you cheer for. Uh, Let's see a wonderful season. Hopefully it's uh, lots of teams battling it out right down to game 162 and you're not eating dollar hot dogs in the middle of July safely, of course, uh, as your team is 13 and 56 at this point. I have no idea at what point teams should be at, but uh, thank you again for joining us. Uh, Have a great week. Stay safe uh, and sport on.